Peace be upon you. So let's say the devil himself walks right up to you and says, hey, how much for your soul? Now, a believer would say, there's no price I could put on something so precious. You could offer me whatever you want, the devil. I'm not going to take it. God tells us that the soul that's redeemed is more valuable than an earth full of gold. Yet despite this, the devil dupes us so often into falling in sin. And when we do that, we're selling away our souls, our ticket back to paradise for such a cheap price. And 2.41 says, You shall believe in what I have revealed here and confirming what you have. Do not be the first to reject it. Do not trade away my revelations for a cheap price and observe me. When we fall into sin knowingly, when God gives us a commandment and we do the opposite, it shows that we're selling our souls for a cheap price. We have the example of Adam and Eve, our parents in paradise. God gave them everything they possibly wanted. Yet what did it take for them to sell their souls? An empty promise from the devil. That's all it took. And the devil is going to work his utmost to make sure that every single one of us falls into sin. That we do the, the commandments opposite of what God commands us. We call ourselves submitters. In Arabic, that's the word is Muslim. But the reason I use the English translation is because these are descriptions of what we do. If I'm only here reciting words in Arabic, they're going to have no meaning for the people. They have to be recited so we can put these words into action. In Surah 26, 198 and 199, it reads, If we revealed this, this Quran, to people who do not know Arabic and had them recite it in Arabic, they could not possibly believe in it. These words, these verses, they must be translated in order so we can put these into action. Now, we call ourselves submitters. We say we follow submission, or in Arabic, Islam. What does that mean? It means we submit wholeheartedly, cheerfully, to whatever God wills, that we do not become objectors. Objecting is the opposite of submitting. And this is the choice we have. In Surah 13, verse 15, it says, that God prostrates everyone in the heavens and the earth, willingly or unwillingly, and so do their shadows in the mornings and the evenings. All of us are submitting either willingly or unwillingly. This is the difference between a submitter and an objector. All of us are on this journey through our lives. Now, if we go on this journey only complaining, being bitter, resentful, angry, then it shows that we're submitting unwillingly. We are objectors. But if we accept everything that happens in our life and know that God is in absolute control, that He's controlling everything as small of an atom, then we become true submitters. This no longer is just lip service. When individuals, they say, oh yeah, I'm a submitter, but their actions correspond otherwise, it shows that it's just lip service. In 3.134, it says, who give to charity during the good times as well as the bad times, they are suppressors of anger and partners of the people. God loves the charitable. This is a trait of a submitter is that we suppress our anger. And ultimately, we get to a point where we no longer get angry because we trust that God is doing absolutely everything. We don't assess our lives by these data points. We realize that God is not planning just for this moment. He's planning for all of eternity. In Surah 43, verse 37 says, They avoid gross sins and vice, and when angered, they forgive. In a previous episode, I linked to a talk from Tony Robbins, and he was talking about how he's on this flight to Australia. It's one of the longest flights in the world. It's about 14 hours. And this was years ago, and they said, hey, we have great news. Uh, this flight is going to come equipped with Wi-Fi. And everyone was ecstatic. They're praising God. They're giving high fives. 15 minutes into the flight, what happens? The Wi-Fi goes down for the whole duration of the flight. How did the people's attitude change? They became bitter, resentful, angry. Why? Something that 15 minutes ago was a miracle now became an expectation. Their true colors came out. 
God allows these events to take place in our life to see how do we react. Are we submitters? Or are we objectors? In 1061, it says, you do not get into any situation, nor do you recite any Quran, nor do you do anything without us being witnesses thereof as you do it. Not even an atom's weight is out of your Lord's control, be it in the heavens or the earth, nor is there anything smaller than an atom or larger that is not recorded in a profound record. God is controlling every single atom. From prior to the Big Bang to all the way to the end of the world, God is in full control. And we forget this. We think that we are in control. God gives us the example in Surah 56, starting from 57. It says, we created you if you could only believe. Have you noted the semen that you produce? Did you create it or did we? We have a predetermined death for you. Nothing can stop us from substituting new generations in your place and establishing what you do not know. You know about the first creation. Do you not remember? Have you noted the crops you reap? Did you grow them or did we? If we will, we can turn it into hay. Then you will lament. We lost. We are deprived. God is controlling the creation. God controls life and death. God controls the provisions, the crops, the money that enters into our pocket. God is in absolute control of all of it. The second we lose sight of that, then we become objectors. We start complaining. We get angry. We get bitter. It continues in 5668. It says, have you noted the water you drink? Did you send it down from the clouds or did we? If we will, we can make it salty. You should be thankful. Have you noted the fire you ignite? Did you initiate its tree or did we? We rendered it a reminder and useful tool for the users. You shall glorify the name of your Lord, the Great. Why is it that despite saying that we believe in God, that we believe God is doing absolutely everything, we object, we get angry, we get frustrated. And I'll narrow it down to three points. The first one is we believe that we've been suffered injustice and therefore we get angry. The second one is that we're impatient. We want things to happen on our timetable and we get angry. And the third one, which pretty much encompasses everything, is that we're not satisfied with God being in control. We want to be in control. So let's look at these three points. Individuals who believe that they are suffered injustice and therefore they get angry. God acknowledges that in this world there is going to be injustice. Individuals are going to suffer injustice. But the difference between a believer and a disbeliever is a believer realizes that irrespective of what happens in this world, ultimately God is going to bring justice. This is the difference because a believer realizes that there is a hereafter. The criteria of a believer is one, they believe in God alone. Two, they lead a righteous life. And three is that they believe in a hereafter that every single person is going to be held accountable for everything they did. No one is going to get away from any injustice. Mean that if we suffer any injustice, God is going to make it right, either in this world or in the hereafter. That anyone who commits injustice, God is going to reprimand them, either in this world or in the hereafter. In 72.13 says, When we heard the guidance, we believed therein. Anyone who believes in his Lord will never fear any injustice nor any affliction. If we only think life is one data point, one event that took place, one action where we suffered injustice, then we're not seeing the big picture. God is going to make it up to us for any injustice we suffered. The reason this happens is to bring out our true colors. Do we become objectors? Do we become angry and frustrated? Or do we suppress our anger? Do we trust in God? Because God is going to make it right for us. Again, the purpose of this world is for us to see why we made the decisions we did. God already knows who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. But he's allowing us to see for ourselves how we react to these situations. When injustice befalls us, do we all of a sudden renounce God? Do we become objectors, angry, spiteful? 
Because if we do, then it shows that we do not believe God is doing absolutely everything. We can tell ourselves that the second we get angry is that we're no longer submitters. Because we're doing the very opposite of what it means to submit. In Surah 3 verse 140 it reads, If you suffer hardship, the enemy also suffers the same hardship. We alternate the days of victory and defeat among the people. God thus distinguishes the true believers and blesses some of you with martyrdom. God dislikes injustice. God is telling us that this is part of his plan to alternate the days of victory and defeat to see who genuinely believes in God and submits to God under all conditions. This is an essential part of our test, an essential part of being in this world. The second point is impatience. You know, the reason we get angry is because we're impatient. Why do I have to wait behind this light? Why do I have to wait in this uh, line? We want things on our timetable. And we're not trusting in God's system, that God has perfectly calculated everything. In Surah 17, verse 11, it says, The human being often prays for something that may hurt him, thinking that he is praying for something good. The human being is impatient. We're saying, God, why don't I have more money now? Why don't I have my uh, spouse now? Why don't I have my degree now? Why do I have to wait in these uh, events uh, now? Everything is that we think that we want it to happen on our timetable. And God is telling us it's for our own good that it happens on God's timetable. In the following verse, it reads, We rendered the night and the day two signs. We made the night dark and the day lighted, that you may seek provisions from your Lord therein. This also establishes for you a timing system and a means of calculation. We thus explain everything in detail. God is telling us His timing is the best timing. If we want proof of that, think about the, the uh, physical laws. At the moment of the Big Bang, the precision that must have taken place for this universe to come into existence and for us to flourish on this planet, that all that has been perfectly calculated. You take the gravitational constant, that it was off by one part by 10 to the 15th within one second of the Big Bang. We would not have a universe, and God perfectly calculated that. Or the expansion rate of the universe, if it was off by one part in 10 to the 55 meaning point zero 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 fifty five zeros one that if it was off by the slightest bit, we again would not have a universe. This all happens perfectly on God's timing. Now, why is it that we trust in God when it came to the physical laws of the universe, when it comes to the precision in everything that's created, but when it comes to our own lives, we think we know it better. We think that it should happen on our timetables. And we don't realize that, look, if these rates were off by the slightest bit, everything would fall out of whack. So we have to trust in God. In 34, 36 says, say, My Lord is the one who controls all provisions. He grants provisions to whomever he wills or reduces them, but most people do not know. Provisions are not limited to money. It's limited to it's everything, from the amount of oxygen we breathe to the amount of nutrients we take into our body. God informs us that if we, he increases the provisions for us even one iota more than we could handle, we could potentially transgress and lose our souls. In 42.27 it reads, If God increased the provision for his servants, they would transgress on earth. This is why he sends it precisely measured to whomever he wills. He is fully cognizant seer of his servants. God knows exactly how much we can handle, and he sends it according to this divine plan. If he was to expedite this, 
in a manner that we could not handle, we could potentially lose our souls and spend eternity in hell. We might become unappreciative or greedy. And it's a blessing from God that he sends it at this exact time where he knows best. Everything is perfectly calculated that God took such precision into creating this. God tells us that the universe was created in six metaphorical days. But two of those days were to create the physical laws of the universe, while four were used to calculate the provisions for every single creature on this planet Earth. Now, these aren't actual days. This is God to tell us the level of care and precision He took into calculating all this. Now, if we trust in God, we realize that God has a timetable for when I'm supposed to receive provisions, why I'm stuck behind this light, why I'm having this difficulty at work, why I didn't get the grade I want on my test. God has perfectly calculated everything. Now, no one's going to be so naive to ask God to change the physical laws of the universe because we realize if that was to happen, the whole universe would fall apart. But we forget that when it comes to our own lives. Take the example of a baby. God is doing everything from the moment that those two cells come in contact and they start replicating, forming every single function of that baby. It's in God's hands. But the second that that baby comes to this world, we want to do it on our timetable. We want to take a control as if, hey, God, I got it from here. And we forget that God is the one who's doing everything. We think it's us, but it's not. God is the one who's doing it. And if we submit wholeheartedly and we accept God's timetable, we will be eternally happy. Take the example in the Quran of individuals who were biased towards baby girls, that they, their faces were darkened when they got news of a baby girl, they were contemplating burying it in the dust. Why? It's because they thought they knew better than God. They were objectors. It reads in 43.17, One of them is given news of a daughter. As they claim for the most gracious, his face is darkened with misery and anger. These individuals are showing their disbelief. They believe that they know better than God. That they deserve to have a boy. When God wills for them to have a girl. For their own good. And when we take this for granted, when we want things to happen on our timetable, and we become objectors, we get angry, we show that we have no belief, that we are not submitters, we are objectors. We have a great example in the Quran with the leaders after Moses. Starting in 2.246 says, Have you noted the leaders of Israel after Moses? They said to their prophet, If you appoint a king to lead us, we will fight in the cause of God. He said, is it your intention that if fighting is decreed for you, you will not fight? They said, why should we not fight in the cause of God when we have been deprived of our homes and our children? Yet, when fighting was decreed for them, they turned away except for a few. God is aware of the transgressors. Here we have an example of individuals saying, look, God, if you appoint a king for us, then we'll fight. And it says, okay, then you're going to have to fight. Okay, we drop out. They object. Then it continues in 2247, it says, Their prophet said to them, God has appointed Talut Saul to be your king. They said, How can he have kingship over us when we are more worthy of kingship than he? He's not even rich. He said, God has chosen him over you and has blessed him with an abundance in knowledge and in body. God grants his kingship to whomever he wills. God is bounteous, omniscient. So you have a group of people that once they were commanded to fight, they dropped out. Then individuals that demanded a king are given a king, and they're not satisfied with who God assigned, so they drop out. Then in 2.249, it continues, When Saul took command of the troops, he said, God is putting to the test by means of a stream. Anyone who drinks from it does not belong with me. 
Only those who do not taste it belong with me, unless it is just a single sip. They drank from it except a few of them. So now you have people who dropped out when fighting was decreed for them, then more dropped out when it was told that Saul was going to be their king, and now they're put to the test by means of a stream, and even more drop out, and only a few stay. Now it continues, when he crossed it with those who believed, they said, now we lack the strength to face Goliath and his troops. So these individuals who got through all that, they didn't object, they didn't complain, they got through all these tests. Now they said, oh, we lack the strength to face Goliath and his troops, meaning more of them failed. And it continues, those who were conscious of meeting God said, many a small army defeated a large army by God's leave. God is with those who steadfastly persevere. This is what it means to steadfastly persevere, is that irrespective of how things appear, how they seem, we trust in God through the whole process. We don't become objectors. We don't complain. We don't get bitter. We don't get resentful. We don't question God's authority. We don't question what God has at play. In 2052, it says, He said, The knowledge thereof is with my Lord in a record. My Lord never errs, nor does he forget. It's as if we think that God made a mistake. He forgot to account for something. He didn't do any of that. He perfectly calculated everything that's going to take place. God knew exactly these tests that were going to be laying ahead for these individuals and designed it perfectly in order to expose what's in their hearts. Those individuals, those small group who didn't, who followed the command, who went to fight, who uh, accepted Saul as their king, who didn't drink from the fountain and then believed that they had everything they needed, God provided for them to be victorious. Those are the small group that made it all the way through. And God is going to do similar tests in our life. He's going to see at what point do we drop out. You know, is it when you get stuck behind uh, traffic? <laughs> is it when you get into a uh, uh, dispute with one of your coworkers or classmates? You know, what is going to cause us to drop out? And the aspect is, if we go all the way through, if we submit wholeheartedly, we don't question God's absolute authority, then we will be successful. God gives us examples in the Quran. Now, it's not to say that if we lose our anger, that we're out of God's kingdom. God gives us an example of Moses, who lost his temper numerous times. This was a shortcoming he had. In addition, he gives us the example in uh, Surah 18, the cave, where Moses asked to be with one of God's teachers. And... Uh, God put him in place of someone, and three times he objects to what that individual was doing because he didn't understand God's system. God is doing the same thing in our life to see, are we going to submit wholeheartedly in every single situation? And if we do, then we can make it into the hereafter, into God's kingdom. And this brings us to the third point. The third point is that we think we need to be in control. We're not satisfied with the fact that God the most gracious, the most merciful, the most kind is the one who's controlling everything. In Surah 16 verse 1, it says, God's command has already been issued and everything has already been written, so do not rush it. Be he glorified, the most high, far above any idols they set up. Who better to be in control than one who knows the thoughts and actions of every single entity, everything that takes place, every atom, Everything smaller than Adam, larger than Adam. God is in full control of all of it. And not only that, he's most gracious, most kind, most compassionate. This is the entity you want to be behind the wheel. The fact that we think we want to take control, we want to be behind that wheel, we want to make things happen on our terms, on our timetable, is showing our lack of confidence in God. By thinking we can do better, we're doing no better than Satan. Satan thought he knew better than God. And he challenged God. 
And the second we object, we basically complain. We want things to happen on our timetable. We're challenging God's assertions. And this is not the trait of a submitter. This is the trait of an objector. In Surah 47, verse 21, it reads, Obedience and righteous utterances are expected of them. If only they showed confidence in God when mobilization was called for, it would have been better for them. So how do we get to a point where we surrender wholeheartedly to God, where we no longer object, we no longer are angry, uh, resentful, spiteful? God dedicates an entire surah to this topic. Surah 94 is al-shar, which means the cooling of the temper or relief. And it reads, in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, did we not cool your temper? And the literal is, did we not expand your chest? And we unloaded your load of sins, one that burdened your back. We exalted you to an honorable position. With pain, there is gain. Pain, difficulty, hardship, these are opportunities for us to grow. And it continues 94.6. Indeed, with pain there is gain. Whenever possible, you shall strive, seeking only your Lord. Some people, they say that this is a uh, surah for the life of Moses, someone who had a problem with uh, his temper. But this applies to every single one of us. That God is telling us that did we not expand your chest, cool your temper, we unloaded this load, this hardship, this adversity that was bothering you. You think about every single thing in your life that caused you to lose your cool, that caused us to turn angry, resentful. Did it matter? God controls everything. God made it up to us. God allowed us to persevere through these situations. All those traffic lights that you were bitter sitting behind. All those times that you were impatient. All those times you felt like you uh, were deemed had to suffer through injustice. All those did not matter because God is doing absolutely everything. All that happened is these are lessons for us to God willing grow from, to draw closer to God. In Surah 6 verse 125 says, Whomever God wills to guide, he renders his chest wide open to submission. And whomever he wills to send astray, he renders his chest intolerant and straightened like one who climbs towards the sky. God thus places a curse upon those who refuse to believe. When I read this, that God is saying, did we not cool your temper? Did we not expand your chest? Is that sometimes we just have to take a step back and breathe. And just take a deep breath and realize and stop and remember that God is doing absolutely everything. In the Bible book of James, uh, chapter 4, it reads, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So God willing, let's take a deep breath. Let's remember God is doing absolutely everything. Everything that happens in our life is under God's control. God never errs. He doesn't forget. He's the one the most kind, the most gracious, the most merciful. And if we believe in that, and our actions correspond to that, then God willing will submit wholeheartedly, cheerfully, and be admitted back into God's kingdom. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.